Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, I've got great news for you. Our partners at Bet Online continue to get the job done as the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Here's the thing. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including early NFL futures, Major League Baseball, all the fights, horse racing, golf, and more. All you have to do is head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps, or a fresh salad. Plus, something to wash it down. Then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials. Now you can get your Burn Dairy and Deli favorites delivered with DoorDash. All day, every day, you can count on Burn Dairy and Deli. It's all good. What's going on, everybody? Paul Bissonette here from the Spit and Chicklets podcast and now the TNT broadcast. I just want to give everybody a shout out and make sure you tune in to the ML Sports Platter. Back with you, it is in fact the ML Sports Platter. You can hit me on Twitter at Mike L Sports. Hey, and also be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Mike L Sports. Appreciate all the shares, all the follows, and make sure you rate, review, subscribe to this podcast, the ML Sports Platter, which is brought to you by our great friends over at Welch & Company Jewelers, Barks & Rec Doggy Daycare, and Carvel of North Syracuse. If you're in and around Central New York, stop by and get that sweet treat from Carvel of North Syracuse. The ice cream cakes, the soft serve, everything in between. Carvel of North Syracuse, they can handle any and all events. And I'm telling you right now, their ice cream, it's simply the best. Carvel of North Syracuse, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. And I do want to throw a quick tip of the cap. Thank you out there as well to the Vince Aguirre Consulting Group, Camillus Golf Club, MyHotTub.com, and the Swan and Whitaker families for their support of the program. All right, here's the thing. I'm going to give you some Yankees second half uh, uh, outlook ideas and, and some things that you know, really need to take place for this team as we approach the trade deadline. And then you're going to hear a terrific episode. It's a crossover episode from the Pandemonium podcast on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. I had WGR 550's Howard Simon on, and we broke down a lot of things. Well, he broke down, uh, you know, training camp, the slot receiver position, if Josh Allen can get better, uh, Super Bowl or bus mentality. Uh, he gives the favorite, uh, you know, Buffalo uh, summer activities when you're not, you know, following the Bills and Sabres, uh, at least in season. Um, we know that it's, you know, 24 7, 365 these days. Um, you know, for, uh, for, for really all sports, uh, but especially the NFL. And certainly right now, you know, we're just coming off the NHL draft and all that. So in Buffalo, there's still plenty to talk about. We approach training camp and all the rest of that. But uh, as far as the in-season thing goes, a little bit of downtime for people before you gear right back into uh, gear up right back into it and uh, get going this, uh, you know, <laughs> this this uh, this coming uh, end of July and all that, and, and, and of course, the regular season. So you are going to love the Howard Simon conversation that I had, uh, WGR 550 in Buffalo. All right, Yankees, second half situation, okay? This team, they hit the break basically as the best team, many people say, in baseball. 
I don't know if they're the best team in baseball. I think they're definitely up there. They're definitely in the conversation for it. Um, you know, they're coming off of three against the Red Sox again, three against the Reds. And, you know, you go back to the July 9th and 10th games against Boston at Fenway. After Friday night, I thought the Yankees were going to sweep, you know, that series. I really did. And then, you know, uh, they lose 6-5 on Saturday, and then they lose just in, in awful fashion, you know, 11-6 to on, on, on Sunday. Um, but I really thought after they won 6-5, um, that was the, uh, that was the uh, Raphael Devers game, I believe, with the two home runs, um, you know, off, off of Garrett Cole, um, who still got the win because the Yankees, you know, were able to score five runs in the third and one in the fifth. Um, you know, and, and then Friday night was just an absolute bomb uh, dropped by the Yankees on Boston. They scored 12 runs. Um, you know, they got good enough pitching um, from, you know, their starter and the bullpen. In this case, it was Nestor Cortez good enough, but still wasn't that great. And I'm going to highlight that quite a bit here in a minute. You know, but it was just nonstop. I mean, Donaldson, you know, <laughs> Donaldson's bombing the ball out of the park. The first couple of games, Matt Carpenter, uh, you know, Donaldson, Carpenter had seven total bases uh, in this game, um, you know, doubles galore, uh, all of it. You 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 name it, they've done it. Uh, you know, they did it in the first two games against Boston. The bullpen with Castro, Abreu, and Litke uh, was actually really good. Uh, they only gave up one run after Cortez. Um, but then the Yankees, you know, blew two leads, and uh, they lose the last two games in really ugly fashion, especially that Sunday where the defense was brutal. Um, you know, you don't see often Isaiah Connor-Falefa uh, you know, throw a kind of a ground ball pebble type of a thing to to, to first base, uh, but that happened. Rizzo wasn't able to scoop it. You rarely see that. DJ LeMahieu out in the outfield. You rarely see him not be able to either a make the catch or b know enough to hello let the outfielders catch the ball. That's why they're out there. So, um, it, it, it was a frustrating couple of games. I don't think that it is a um, you know end all be all type of a thing. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, a, a panic situation. Um, but I do think that the Yankees were exposed and that's where I get into the second half here of this regular season. Um, for New York, I mean, when you think about at Houston, right out of the gate, right? I mean, right out of the shoot, the Yankees have got two games against the Houston Astros, a team that has Luis Garcia, Framber Valdez, Justin Verlander, Urquidy. They've got a ton of pitching and a ton of guys who can go right into the 6th, 7th, and 8th inning. And uh, I'm recording this game after last night's All-Star game, or this uh, podcast, after last night's All-Star game uh, between the AL and NL out in Los Angeles. And so, you know, tomorrow there's a doubleheader, right? We're scheduled from April 5th, and then we're scheduled from April 6th. They're playing a double dip in Houston uh, you know, tomorrow. Um, that's how you start the second half for New York. I mean, and then they play a very improved Orioles team uh, on the road for three at Camden, day off, then two games against the Mets, uh, a team that I think is as much of a front runner to make the World Series in, than anybody, in, as anybody uh, in, in baseball, simply based upon the fact that they're going to be getting their two horses back full time here uh, for the stretch run in Jacob deGrom, well, not going to be getting. Max Scherzer already was back, you know, a couple of times here. Uh, but, but you know, you're going to have Scherzer for the sec, full second half, you hope, and, and deGrom. Um, you know, to me, uh, 
uh, with the charging Braves and all the rest, the Mets still have the edge because of those two guys. Now, the Braves have that championship pedigree and all that, but the Mets, really, really good lineup. They're a different team. They're better defensively. Fundamentals, Buck Showalter, Buck Ball. Um, you know, Alonzo's been great. Lindor has been great. They've had uh, a ton of guys. Escobar, all these different guys have been, uh, you know, contributing. And uh, the starting pitching has really treaded water without the two horses in there. So the Yankees have their work cut out for them for at least the first uh, two, four, seven games. And they get the Royals. And then you get into the month of August. But what the Yankees need to do is get home field advantage. That is the, that is the key to the second half. You need to stay ahead of Houston win as many games as you can and stay ahead of, of them so that you don't, if you face them in the ALCS, and I know there's a long way to go between now and the regular season and then the end of the regular season and the postseason, the early rounds, all that sort of thing. I know that anything can happen. Once you get in, anything can happen. I understand all that. But the Astros and the Yankees right now, from what we've seen for one half of the baseball schedule in 2022 – they both look like they are on a collision course for the ALCS. And while Houston can win on the road or the Yankees can win on the road, you know, both teams play extremely well to their ballpark. In fact, they might be the two best teams in baseball playing to their ballpark. You know, you might have Boston saying something about that and a, and a couple others, but that's about it. Uh, the Yankees, you don't want to go into game six and seven in Houston. You don't want to play four games if it goes seven games uh, in Houston. You don't want to deal with that playing in, you know, games one and two, six and seven. You don't want to do that. You want to have those in the Bronx. You want to have your ballpark. Again, Verlander could come in there in a game seven and shut you up anyway. But I would take my chances way more at home in Yankee Stadium than I would uh, in Houston, even though that I think they've put away the trash cans and the the uh, all the cheating materials. I think they put those away by now. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, you know, but I think that that's the number one key. The number two thing to look for in the second half for New York, it's starting pitching. And you know, we're a little ways away here from the trade deadline, right? I, I don't know, week and a half or so. Um, I am telling you right now, the Yankees don't have enough pitching. The beginning of the year, I told people I didn't feel really good about the team because I had to see it to believe it, and they're short on starting pitching. Well. They proved me wrong twofold um, for the first three and a half months of the season. But the pitching, you know, they've, they've still proved me wrong as a whole. But the pitching part, I was correct on. And the sustainability is the big thing, right? Tyone, chink in the armor. Cortez, he's showing some vulnerability, right? Severino, a little bit more up and down, okay? Jordan Montgomery, a little bit more up and down. Most of these guys outside of Garrett Cole, if not all, they just have not thrown a ton of innings at this level, right? I mean, Tyone's gone into several games, deep, seven innings, eight innings. He's flirted with no hitters and perfect games. So this is a situation where the Yankees, they really should go out and get another pitcher. And I know their farm system is super, super deep. I'm sure that if you were going to go get, you know, a... Um, a big-time, big-time starter. Uh, it's going to cost the Yankees an arm and a leg. It's going to cost them more than pretty much anybody because that's how it works. You know, when go <laughs> when you when you go do business with the Yankees, you, you ask them for a lot more. You can go back and look at the history books. I'm not going to explain it here, but the Yankees are asked to give way more in prospects. It's just how it is. Um, and so, if you want Luis Castillo, who's 29 years old, who's just an absolute monster on the mound. 
uh, and you want to trade him, uh, trade for him, you're going to have to give up either Volpe or Peraza. I don't think Volpe is the right move, but if I'm New York and I'm this close to a possible championship and you've got to have another arm to compete with the Houston Astros, I am trading Peraza. I am trading another, what, double-A guy. He's in triple-A, but I would trade maybe another couple, a double-A, maybe two high-A guys in Peraza. Give them the huge package that they're looking for. You keep Volpe. You keep a lot of these other guys. And who cares at that point about Peraza? Because if Volpe is the real deal, you can plug him in at shortstop as early as next year. Maybe you bring IKF back for another year, which I would be fine with in terms of grooming him. Your third base spot is set because Donaldson has another year left on his contract, and then you can figure that out later. Plus, DJ LeMahieu can play first, second, and third. So you have a lot of versatility. You have a lot of depth, and you have Volpe still in your system. If they wanted Peraza, if they could take Peraza, I would trade him and a host of other minor leaguers to go get a Luis Castillo. It is worth taking the chance on that right now. You need to go and get a ring. You haven't won one since 2009. You haven't been to the World Series in 2009 since 2009. I would trade in a heartbeat Oswaldo Perez, uh, the shortstop uh, in AAA right now for the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders. Now, Another thing to look for for the New York Yankees is the health. Can the Yankees stay healthy? Because in the first half, one of the biggest reasons that they had unbelievable success, if not the top reason, was because they were a healthy team. Judge, Stanton, they had all these different workout regiments now. Uh, you know, the Yankees completely changed their coaching staff. They had a different philosophy, philosophy from a workout and medical standpoint. This is an absolute must in the second half as well. So Aaron Boone, it's going to be on him. It's a challenge to keep that lineup fresh, rested, still playing with, you know, regularity to keep, you know, their head in the game and all that. Uh, It's going to be very, very important as uh, as the second half gets into the really, really, really hard dog days of August. But, um, you know, they've had everybody knock on wood has been healthy. I mean, even Aaron Hicks, who, you know, drives me crazy at the plate and, Sometimes in the field, uh, he has come up with some huge hits and huge home runs. He's been healthy. Um, you know, Joey Gallo's a waste of time at this particular point. I wish they would just release Gallo, Hicks, and Chapman. But Hicks has done more than the other two guys by far, and he is a very good defensive outfielder, um, you know, when he puts his mind to it. Uh, but he's been healthy. Glaber's been healthy. Judge has been healthy. Stanton's been healthy. lemayhu has been healthy. Josh Donaldson, at the age of 36, has been healthy. You know, their catcher position. You know, Trevino and Higashioka, healthy, right? IKF, healthy. You know, they get Matt Carpenter, he's been healthy. Everybody's been healthy. The pitchers have been healthy. Most of the bullpen guys have been healthy. Um, You know, Chad Green going out, and then Chapman for a short time and all that, but that's been pretty much it. Um, You know, King's been healthy. Holmes has been healthy. Um, You know, they've had Licky is healthy. Castro is healthy. Abreu is healthy. Um, So health is going to play a major, major part for New York. Again, health and obviously getting some starting pitching and getting home field advantage. And I would break the bank outside of Anthony Volpe. I would give up anybody for Luis Castillo. I'd go get him. And he's really the only guy I would look at, you know, at the trade market if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, give the bank away, right? Because nobody's up to his caliber. This is the MO Sports Platter. It's all brought to you by our great friends over at the Vince Aguera Consulting Group, Stanley Law Offices, and Burn Dairy. Hey, if you're in and around central New York, get on over to Burn Dairy, gas up your vehicle, grab the hot and cold food, 
for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Those donuts and chocolate milk and coffee on the way into the office is a heck of a way to start a morning. They've got wraps, salads, pizzas for lunch and dinner, and of course a great uh, selection of uh, beer and more seltzers, all at Burn Dairy. It's your one-stop shop here this summer in central New York. All right, as promised, I talked to Howard Simon on the Pandemonium podcast. On the Bill Tim Buffalo Podcast Network, we got into the training camp storylines. We got into Josh Allen, if, if it's possible he can get better, Super Bowl or bust mentality, how much they're going to run the football, the slot receiver position, breakout players, slowing down on Gabe Davis a little bit, um, you know, a lot of the rookies coming out parties, uh, you know, the pending free agents and Singletary, Knox, Edmonds, and Poyer. We got into all of that and more. Here is WGR 550's Howard Simon on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. What is up, Bills Mafia? I'm Mike Lindsley, your host. This is the Pandemonium Podcast, all a part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Make sure you get us all over the social platforms, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all over the place, Built in Buffalo underscore on Twitter. And of course, we waste no time talking Bills football as we are getting closer and closer and closer to training camp at St. John Fisher College. Who better to talk to about Buffalo Bills football than the terrific Howard Simon mornings on WGR forever covering the Bills in the Western New York sports scene. You can get him on Twitter at H Simon, the number 62. Howard, welcome aboard, man. You must be on cloud nine. Football starting soon. Your Mets are really a great story this year. Still with Scherzer and DeGrom to go, uh, joining forces with the the staff now. And uh, just really happy to have you on for a few minutes. How you been? Well, you know, rolling, not as not as well as they were a month or so ago, Mike. But hey, they're still in first place as we speak, so that's a good thing. Yeah, and they're going to get their two horses back here pretty soon yeah. too, and that's the big one. Um, bills wise, training camp storylines, things you're looking for. What, what do you have for me on that front? Well, I think you know the business side. I think I guess would be the first question. I assume Jordan Poyer will be there, uh, but that's certainly whether he shows up for camp because of the contract situation. That, I mean, this this hasn't happened. I couldn't tell you the last time a guy under contract didn't show for the bills at camp maybe jaris bird so i'd watch for that first and then when they actually start doing the whole football thing i mean everybody's going to be watching ken dorsey i mean that's that's a huge storyline going into the season i'm not sure how much you're going to be able to glean from the preseason from the practices from the, the you know the preseason games but you know dorsey what's his stamp on the offense that's big um you know, the, I think the wide receiver competition is something to watch. The cornerback, too, is something to watch. Trey White, you know, is he healthy right at the start of camp? Is he any kind of, you know, pitch count, so to speak, for practices as they get him back from the ACL? So that's the punt competition. There's there's actually a whole bunch of storylines to, to cover going into camp. There's no doubt about that. Where do you see the biggest mismatch for opponents this year when facing Buffalo? Is it the... You know the all-encompassing athletic, versatile tight end combo Howard and 
and Knox? Is it the wide receivers? Is it Von Miller rushing on the edge? Is it simply number 17 behind center? Where do you see the biggest mismatch for other teams in trying to, uh, you know, slow down the Bills? It's always the quarterback. It has to, everything starts with the quarterback. And to me, it's still the depth of the passing game. Now, you know, I, I think maybe we should slow down a little bit on Gabriel Davis. Look, I love the kid. I'm very excited. I think he's going to have a big year. But I think people are kind of locking him in and saying, okay, he's, you know, right down a thousand yards. Now, having said that, I still think you're looking at the depth of weapons in the passing game. Um, I think Crowder turns out to be a really nice pickup for this team. I do think Gabriel Davis would be able to step in to that number two role, have more targets, have more catches, do the things that, you know, people are excited about in terms of his potential. Diggs is still, you know, largely unstoppable in terms of single coverage with any cornerback in the National Football League. You talked about tight ends. Dawson Knox had his big breakout year last year. You add in O.J. Howard. We're waiting to see what kind of a role in the passing offense maybe James Cook can bring with his speed um, and a mismatch right there coming out of the backfield. So to me, that's that's still it. Um, well, you know, I know you mentioned Von Miller, and there are some, certainly some storylines on the defensive side of the ball, but this should still be one of the best offenses in the league. You still have one of the top quarterbacks in the league, and I still think you have a depth of weapons in the passing game that's really difficult for teams to match up against. How crazy is it out your way, you know, in Western New York? I mean, we're in the month of July, but everywhere I go here in Central New York, the Bills fans are everywhere. They're 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 wearing their gear. They're talking about the team. They're going bananas. Their Super Bowl expectations. I mean, the the Bills are so huge right now, just not in New York State, but nationally. I mean, how how nuts is it out there? People chomping at the bit for the season to start. It's great. It's great. I mean, it's been 30 years since anybody felt like this around here, and it's it's fantastic. And this was what it was like, you know, every summer going into the season in the early 90s. You know, there were always Super Bowl expectations. And I think, you know, it's it's great for the fan base to see. This might be kind of stupid in the whole discussion, but, you know, Josh Allen in the match. You know, here's, here's this golfing challenge, right, with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, and the Bills quarterback is in there, you know? So I think... You know, his ascendance to uh, his, his rise up to the top of the quarterback chart, where this team is, I'm looking at Twitter today and looking at more updated Super Bowl odds. And guess who the Super Bowl favorite was? The Bills. The Bills logo is right there. It's the first team on the Super Bowl odds chart that I saw. And I, I had to stop for a second and just kind of take it all in, right? I mean, we went through the playoff drought. We went through a lot of downs, and a lot of tough times. So I think the fan base now, we know they're – really psyched up for the upcoming season but i think it's cool just to be able to be there again to be in that super bowl discussion to have the quarterback that other fan bases wish they had that kind of guy at quarterback for them and to have the faith that fans have now in the head coach in the gm it's it's a really fantastic time to be in right now what kind of a year do you expect out of devin singletary howard well i think he's going to start the year as the number one back and I don't know how that's going to play out. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was really impressed with how he closed the season last year. I, I thought he played his best football for an extended stretch in his relatively short Bills career. That last month plus of the season from like the Tampa Bay game on down into the postseason, I thought he ran decisively. I thought he ran hard. He ran well. Um, you know, he became a target a little bit more in the passing game. So I was impressed with how the season closed. 
but I'm really curious to see what Cook does. I, you know, I don't know that Zach Moss is really going to figure much in this offense mm-hmm. because I think Cook is going to his role will probably go go uh, grow as the season goes on. He's going to come in and he's going to have to earn his stripes, so to speak. Right? That's what all rookies and young players have to do with Sean McDermott. They have to earn it. Nothing is given to them. But I think you know, in, in terms of his ability, what he can bring. Talked about maybe him in the passing game. Certainly his speed. Um, his breakaway speed is something the Bills haven't had out of their running backs in recent years. So I think Singletary will be the guy, not, not obviously not a Derrick Henry workload guy, but he'll be the number one guy coming out of camp and the preseason. But then I think it does bear watching. Over the course of the season, we might see the role of Cook grow. Um, and I'm not sure how that plays out with Singletary. He, he might be playing this last season, by the way, Mike. He's going to be an yeah. unrestricted free agent, and I'm not sure what kind of you know, second contract the Bills are going to offer a running back. Yeah, speaking of that, you have Singletary, Knox, Edmonds, and Poyer. If I told you, and I know the finances are A number one, but what they do on the field, the production, the meaning to the team in the locker room, all, all the things that go that way, what two guys would you what two guys would you pick out of the four? Oh, you're giving keep? me two. I thought you were going to make it one. I thought you were going to be really tough on Well, I'll give you two at summertime, Howard. I don't want to stress okay. you out, you know? Well, Knox is number one. If you gave me one, I would have wow. said Knox. Number one. Okay. Yeah, because I, look, I think hmm. uh, you're now you're talking to a guy who was raised as a defense wins championships guy. Okay, so I I get I, it was drummed into me. But let's face it, you win in the National Football League, you better have an explosive offense, and the explosive offense is the key to the Bills this season. You have Josh Allen, you have Diggs, you have Davis, you have all these weapons, and you have Dawson Knox. Best tight end around here in God knows how long, right? So to me, he's important to keep. Um, what they do with him, his term, his money, that's a big contract. I'm not sure how it all plays out. If you're asking me who I would keep, you need to keep that passing offense at an explosive level. You need to keep the offense in general, a group that can go out on the field and put 30 up. So I need the depth of weapons. I need Dawson Knox on the field. So that's one. Singletary would be four. And then, honestly, it's Poyer or Edmonds. Um, boy, that's a tough one, Mike. I, I would probably – it's a shorter contract for Poyer. If I could get him to extend by a year or two, I would keep Poyer. I'd like to keep Poyer and Hyde together for another couple years if I could. Edmonds, I think, would take a big – like a four- or five-year big commitment with term, with money, and I would be very hesitant to give him the big linebacker contract. Breakout player on offense, breakout player on defense in 2022. I'm gonna well, the breakout player on defense, I think, would be Rousseau. There's not now. There's not a lot of candidates. Um, you know, it's one of those young defensive linemen, or I guess Kyer Elam or Dane Jackson. But I'll take Rousseau. I, I liked what I saw from him last year. I think getting that first year under his belt—that's a huge learning experience. I mean, the guy is. He's long, he's athletic, he's so tough to handle, and he, he got that first year so he could learn what it's like to play at the pro level. I think the addition of a guy like Von Miller, you know, we saw some of the clips at OTAs, and Miller's working with Rousseau and Basham and Epinesa, the young guys, and they go out to the pass rushing camp. I think that kind of knowledge, having a guy like that here is invaluable for a guy like Rousseau. So I'll take him as the breakout guy on defense. The breakout guy, is it, is it fair to say Gabriel Davis, or would that not count as a breakout guy? <laughs> I think that counts. All right, I'll take, I'll take Gabriel Davis. Look, I think the last couple of years, 
you know, with the, there's nothing but positives in terms of what you saw from his game. And I don't mean, I know recency here, the last game we saw, he was out of his mind against Kansas City. But, you know, even the year before, think, he comes up big. He makes some clutch catches. You think of the, the win, the playoff win against the Colts, and Davis came up big in that game. I think he's got a really reliable set of hands. I think he's a smart kid. I love when they talk to me, you know, talk about his work ethic and how he's working on making himself a better overall receiver. I think he's up to the challenge that's coming to him. I think he's earned the right to have that crack at the number two job. And I do think he's going to have a good season and will keep defenses honest. You can't just not just throw everything at digs and not worry about anybody else. That next guy in the receiving core is Gabriel Davis. And I think he is going to have a big year this year. I think that's fair because look, the chiefs game, it was an amazing game, no doubt. For him, but again, not you're not going to perform that way every game. But I think you know, looking for for even half that production per game every game. I mean, I think the consistency thing is what you obviously want to see out of young players. And, and Gabe Davis certainly has shown that uh, he's he's on the right trajectory. Howard Simon, our guest here on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, Pandemonium Podcast style. I'm your host, Mike Mike Lindsley. Give him a follow on Twitter as well. H Simon sixty two is the handle. Um, Josh Allen. Can he get better? Hmm. Yeah, I guess he could. I'm actually trying to think what specifically I need him to be better at. Um, man, that is a good question. I might turn that one and ask you because the things that he had to get better on in his game, there usually was something every offseason, right? The first one would have been, hey, you got to get the ball out. You don't need to make the big hero throw. Take the check down, you know, but, you know. And he did all that stuff. And then it was ball security. Maybe he could still get better a little bit on some of his, his runs and his scrambles, but ball security. But I thought he did a better job at that last year. Um, I I, I got to tell you, I don't – okay, I'll, I'll bring up one thing because he's talked about it. This is not a great or has not been a great yards after catch offense. So, I mean, we are really nitpicking here yeah. to get to something. Yeah. But the positioning of some of his throws, especially with guys – like maybe Cook with his speed mm-hmm. or McKenzie, um, Shakir, assuming he makes the roster, the positioning of his throws, and he's brought it up too, to get it to guys to put them in a position to get more yards after catch. I mean, you got anything, Mike? Because I'm, I'm struggling for something beyond that. No, I, I think you pretty much nailed it. And I, I kind of liken Josh Allen right now to Mahomes about a year or maybe two ago. Where and, and I know it's different because Mahomes has been in two Super Bowls. You know, he's got a Super Bowl MVP. He's got a 5,000-yard, 50-touchdown MVP season in the regular season. I, I know that Josh Allen's trying to get to that level as far as the awards and accolades and the accomplishment. But, you know, you could have said the same thing about Mahomes, you know, then, right? I mean, how much better can this guy get? He's at such a young age. Has he already reached the ceiling? I, I think you could have asked that question then, and I think certainly – with Josh Allen right now, despite not having the award case that Mahomes has, I think certainly you can ask that question with Josh Allen. Also consider his postseason exp- uh, you know, experience, what he's done, the growth and all the rest. I, I don't know. I think, I, think the, I think it's very, very similar to Mahomes. I really do. Yeah, I guess, again, um, if we're trying to find something, the only other thing would be maybe a, con- a, a consistency over the regular season, right? Two years ago, they were okay, but they came out of the bye. And then the offense hit like another gear and they went on the winning streak and they clinched the division and they're averaging like 30 plus points a game. And then last year, a little funk, 
I think two years ago, they had like a month-long funk. Last year, down the stretch, they were, they were winning some games that you'd look at and go, Carolina, Atlanta, I mean, not Jets. They weren't great in those games offensively. Again, we're, we're struggling for things to bring up. So maybe, you know, a little bit more consistency, avoiding a month or so funk in the course of the season. I would have said, you know, I would in the bigger picture, of course, he's got to get to the Super Bowl. You want to get to the next level. You could say one of the greats, you got to get to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl eventually. But even I would have brought up playoffs, right? Yeah. Because two years ago, I guess the, the, um, the Ravens and then the Chiefs, the offense wasn't good at all. But then he turns around and has the game against New England where he destroys the Patriots. And then basically he's got that team on his back and has willed them to a victory in Kansas City. I mean, clutch drive after clutch drive. I mean, you couldn't have drawn it up any better to say the Josh Allen playoff game, he's arrived moment. Um, so for any doubts about, well, you know, postseason and play goes up and pressure goes up and all that, well, he answered those last year in the two playoff games. I mean, they didn't get beat because of the offense and Josh Allen. So it's it's a really short list for him. If he's able to win a championship in a Bills uniform, does that automatically vault him to the number one Buffalo sports athlete of all time, considering the significance of that? I hate to say it, but probably. I mean, yeah. I, I know fans there of, of Kelly and Thurman and Bruce, and if you're a Sabres fan, uh, I don't know, Gilbert Perro, Dominic Hash, sure. there have been some amazing mm-hmm. athletes that have come mm-hmm. here, Hall of Famers mm-hmm. that have come through here, but nobody's won a championship. Right. You know, and and it's a little bit different with, you know, the first Stanley Cup for the Sabres or the first Lombardi for the Bills. Let's face it. You win a cup, typically, it's it's a t- more of a team thing, right? You don't win a Super Bowl more often than not. You don't win a Super Bowl without great quarterback play. If he gets them to a Super Bowl and they win the Super Bowl, yeah, he probably, you know, it, it's go, he goes to number one in there. They probably call the architects for the new stadium and go, listen, we're going to need a Josh Allen statue for the new stadium, so put that in too. Yeah. Uh, I got two more quickies for you, Howard. Again, Howard Simon, WGR 550, kind enough to join us here uh, on the Pandemonium Podcast. Trey White's estimated return, do you think, is when? Hard to say. I mean, there's been – the Bills haven't been overly specific, only to say he's progressing, he's in the building, he's working out. Um so I, I'm hoping that means he would be ready by opening day. Um, again, we'll see. What's he doing in training camp? Is he there from the beginning? If he is practicing, I would assume they're going to go easy with him, Mike, to make sure they don't overdo it. Yeah. I think the Bills are pretty smart with um, when it comes to the health and the maintenance of their players. But doesn't it doesn't sound like there's been any issues. So at this point, I would assume he'll be ready for opening day. Worst case scenario, a pitch count. Maybe he isn't out there for 100% of the snaps, but I'm going to go with at right now until we get to camp and see any evidence to the contrary that he's going to be okay for opening night against the Rams. Now, the Bills haven't said that. I'm just, you know, we're not hearing anything like there's been a setback or any problems in his rehab. Okay, everybody knows that Western New York revolves around the Bills and the Sabres. Bills are so huge right now, obviously. You could probably say it revolves a little bit about, you know, around Chicken Wings and Labatt Blue, too, but Bills and Sabres. It's summertime. You know, we don't have the Bills and Sabres going on right now. So you, Howard Simon, love to do what in the summer? What are some of the best Buffalo summertime things to do? Well, Taste of Buffalo was last weekend. So food and drink uh, there. Food. I'm, you know, look, there's, there's food. I'm in. Uh, but I, you know what? Summertime to me also was just going out, watching local bands. Yeah. You know, my wife and I love to go out. 
you know, go to whatever bars and bands we like, some local groups we like to follow, and just, you know, go out, have a couple drinks, listen to some music, and relax on the weekend. So for me, that's it, the occasional festival. And uh, honestly, summertime is also, for me, like downtime. Yeah. If you want to come over and meet me in the backyard, we'll hop in the pool. I mean, this, some of it is just sitting on the back deck having a glass of wine and relaxing and enjoying the beautiful weather. Fair enough. The waterfront has to be packed, right? Every day down there in the, the downtown I, district. This is a great summer so far for yeah. the waterfront. Yeah. And I mean, with all the stuff they have going on down there, that in itself, just walking down there around canal side and everything, that's always a blast in the summer as well. Well, this was a lot of fun as it always is. Howard, you know, I've respected you for a long time. Howard Simon, WGR 550 at H Simon, the number 62 Take care of yourself. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for asking. You take care of yourself too, Mike. A couple of quick minutes on the four free agents that we talked about earlier in the show with Howard. Devin Singletary, Dawson Knox, Tremaine Edmonds, and Jordan Poyer are all going to be free agents at the end of the year. If I had to rank them in terms of who I want to keep, and again, the finances will dictate most, if not all of this, I understand, but strictly based on production, strictly based on scheme, strictly based on a lot of things, I think I might venture to say that number one is Tremaine Edmonds. And people might think I'm crazy on that. But he's super young. He's a super freak athlete. And you got to look at the way the Bills do business on defense under Leslie Frazier. Without Tremaine Edmonds being that guy in the middle to charge towards the quarterback, to try and stop the run, he's a tackle machine. He's always around the ball. Look, does he get blown up a lot? Yeah. Does he get blown up more than he blows up plays? Without a doubt. But I think there's still a lot of room for growth there. Now, look, if he prices the bills out, then you don't have to worry about it, and you got to just plug and play, um, which is the story, of course, of the National Football League. Um, you know, Then I would probably put, just because of the significance and the, the, the career resume, um, Granted, years and money again here, right? But Jordan Poyer, I mean, there's been no more important bill outside of Josh Allen than Jordan Poyer. I mean, say what you want about bringing in Stephon Diggs, fine. What about his you know, back safety partner, Micah Hyde, fine. But not more important than Jordan Poyer in terms of his overall uh, charisma and locker room presence and the production uh, at the safety position, how they rely on him so much as a safety net back there along with Micah Hyde. I, I don't know. I, I would still put Poyer number two. Now, granted, the age, the years, the contract, et cetera, could be completely in another universe, and so the Bills would move on at that point anyway. Um, and then I would throw it, – it's close, trust me. I mean, these are all split hairs between each other. I'd probably put Dawson Knox three. Um, I like Howard's reasoning for putting Dawson Knox right up there, um, you know, because of the dynamic offense and, and you win with offense and – uh, just enough defense, not defense and just enough offense. It's it's an offensive explosion that's going on every single week in the National Football League, and Dawson Knox is getting better and better and better. He's on the right trajectory. He's uh, really, really athletic. He obviously committed, you know, what, last offseason to improving, you know, the eyes and all the rest, and that seems to really help him catch the ball and run routes and all that. So uh, I would put Knox in there. It's almost, for me, like 1-1-A, 2-2-B, right? And then I put Singletary. Uh, at number four, just because there's really not ever a great market for running backs with the, um, you know, let's be honest, the second contract for sure, uh, but the but that first one even, I mean, you know, unless it's a really, really high draft pick and you, you pretty much kind of know, you know, what the player is 
I, you know, you, you just running backs, you don't pay them. You know, you just you just don't. Um, and and if he's he's going to command probably you know five six ish. I mean, there's no way there's no way that you pay Devin Singletary that kind of money. And I think James Cook is going to have a big rookie season for the Bills. And I think 2023, you're looking at James Cook as a starting running back for Buffalo because they're not going to be able to afford Devin Singletary. They're going to have to put their money elsewhere. The cap will be increasing and all the rest, but they're not going to be able to keep all four of these guys, probably not three of them. And there's a chance they couldn't, you know, might not be able to keep two. Um, you know, just the way things go, you got to restructure some other deals. You got to pay Gabe Davis here pretty soon. Uh, you got guys on defense. If they explode and have great years, you got to pay them in the next contract. So this is the world they're in now, especially with Josh Allen making, you know, the money that he's making, uh, coming up in the very, very near future. So that's how I would rank those four huge thanks to Howard Simon from WGR 550. I'm Mike Lindsley. You've been listening to the Pandemonium podcast here on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. Make sure you get us all over the social media platforms at Built in Buffalo underscore Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and a heck of a lot more. And oh, by the way, be on the lookout for a ton of giveaways, right? With uh, our friends from Total Sports Buffalo. Uh, they've got a lot of awesome stuff that they've been giving away recently. Dawson Knox uh, autograph goal, uh, you know, goal sticks. Um, they've got an unbelievable event coming up uh, for the next several weeks in honor of Seven One Six Day. Uh, there's six public signings with Buffalo Bills players, including Gabe Davis, Spencer Brown, Boogie Basham, Dane Jackson, Tyler Matikavich, and Demar Hamlin. Uh, make sure you go check out that at built in Buffalo underscore on Twitter and at tsebuffalo.com. That's tsebuffalo.com. Our friends at uh, Total Sports Buffalo getting it done. And uh, of, of course, 100% uh, of the net proceeds are given to the 716 day, which is really, really cool stuff. You can hit me on Twitter as well at Mike L Sports. And as I always tell you, enjoy the games. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.